2: Hello and welcome to the Manchester Rugged Podcast. My name is Stephen Railston and I'm joined by my colleagues today, Rich Fay and Dan Murphy.
0: Rich, how are you? Yeah, I'm not not bad, thank you very much. I survived Ellen Road, so i am love to tell the tale. And yeah, United got three valuable points as they go in search of fourth place this season. How the how the expectations are falling really. In and you survived the
2: lorry inferno by the sands of things on your way to cross to Ellen Road. But that's a story for another day, isn't it? Um, and Dan Murphy, how are you? Yeah, man, I'm good. I survived sitting at my desk in a nice warm
1: room, not having to go out in big storm Eunice and did quite well, even though two goals in 20 seconds does make blogging quite hard. But we got through, thankfully, and we've got a really good game to talk about today, thankfully, as we kind of predicted last week. so That was a relief. One prediction comes
2: uh, to fruition for once. I can imagine your fingers went overdrive as those two goals flew in in that, yes, On in that one minute. So, nice work from Dan there. Um, Rich, we'll start off with the goal then. Harry Maguire, it was always going to be a massive test for him coming into the team. Obviously, at Leeds, Sheffield, uh, Lard, Ellen Road, massively hostile atmosphere. Did he pass the test? I think he did. And how impressed were you by his performance? And obviously, United goal from a corner, the first of the season, couldn't believe my eyes.
0: Yeah, no, I think it was at 140 corners. That was the. They finally got one in the back of They think I think they've had the fifth amount of corners out of any team in the Premier League this season, and they've scored now from the first one out of that. And yeah, I mean, you talk about Harry Maguire, he was the story headed into the game, really. And whether you like it or not, that's a captain's goal. That's what they do. They stand up and be counted at, at the key moments, and you know. Harry Maguire meant so much to him there and he he absolutely loved it. And I think overall he, he was quite good at the back. And, you know, United did concede two goals. They were shell-shocked. They were on the ropes. And, you know, I think the problem this week was they went too far the other way. It was the fact that they did score twice before half-time. They were so complacent at the break. They thought the game had, had been won because they went in and thinking, well, at least we have got a two-goal lead now. So there's no way we can let it slip. And as soon as that first one went in, the heads dropped. And, you know, they, United were rattled. They were on the ropes, but Leeds couldn't get that knockout blow. United did recover well. And I think that in part was down to the centre backs just focusing the team after the second one went in. I felt, thought Maguire was decent. Um, Leeds, you're always going to get chances against. Uh, we said last week on the podcast, United really should have gone there confident, full of belief that they could score a few goals, which they did. But like you said, Maguire. I think it's just a huge relief for United to finally have that off their back. I mean, after the game, Fernandez said that, well, we did score from a set piece against Burnley, but it was wrongfully sort of ruled out. And, you know, that would, again, just alleviate the the pressure, really. But as long as this unwanted record went on, the more it was just talked about, really. And every fan knew about it going to the game, usually some of these sort of statistical quirks You see them on social media and they're a surprise to you. But literally every fan of every team in the Premier League knew how bad United have been from set pieces this season. Leeds, I know as you wrote as well last week, Stephen, they're just diabolical at defending set pieces. They conceded the most in the Premier League last season. They're on track to probably do that again this season. I think it's now 12 they've conceded from. And yeah, United just exploited that weakness. It showed the naivety of Leeds really that they were so open at the back and that United had such a good chance to score early on and that they took it. But on Maguire, he did everything asked of him, really. Like I said, I think that the problems we saw yesterday from United, they weren't about the manager, they weren't about the tactics, they weren't about who was wearing the armband. They were just players who were just caught up in the moment, who, who lost concentration, who, who got flustered and couldn't cope with the occasion. But Maguire did everything that was asked of him. He did everything that was asked of the United captain, really. And as long as that goes on, you know, he, he will be keeping the armband. I know Ranić just wants to sort of brush it under the carpet now until the end of the season. And yeah, I mean, yesterday was all about just getting the result, really. I know we said we well, wanted a good performance to go along with it, but that was the toughest test of Ranić's managerial sort of regime at United so far, and United passed it.
2: Yeah. Obviously, Maguire scored that first goal, Dan, and for the second goal, Lindelof made a fantastic one, didn't he? And it was obviously a big call from Ranić to start Lindelof mm-hmm. What did you make of that when the team came out and as Rich just touched upon, Luke in Maguire there? What did you make of Lindelof's performance alongside? You? Yeah,
1: yeah, definitely. I think with like Ragnick, Rich mentioned there that you know it's the same kind of mental frailties United have had that kind of cost them in the second half. I think it's you know out of the four or five games they've had since the winter break, they've conceded just after half-time in four of them now. So it's clearly a problem where they're not switched on after the break. I don't know what Ragnick's telling them, but you know, Rich said that it wasn't Ragnick's um, doing the match, but. He took some risks beforehand uh with his team selection Rand Nick. Um starting Lindelof was one when Varane's available. That one um delivered hundred percent. As you say, I thought it was really good. It wasn't just for the goal, he kind of burst forward and um you know created a chance. I think he did so in the second half as well. Um, for Sancho. Lindelof ran forward, gave it to Ronaldo, backheeled it into Sancho's path. And Sancho, who was really good on the day, probably should have done better with that one. But again, it's I don't we, we saw it was interesting because Lindelof's got the assist, of course, on the opening day as well when he did the long ball over the top of Fernandez to lash in his hat trick. So it's like maybe he just really enjoys playing against Leeds, but I don't feel like we've seen much of, um, you know, uh, Lindelof in Beckenbauer esque form coming forward. And it should be something he could maybe do a little bit more. There's always been talk about him potentially playing in a holding midfield role or a midfield role. Maybe that's another thing that could be revisited as well again because you think long term Maguire and Varane is the partnership you'd go for. But Lindelof, I didn't think when Verand arrived, that he'd stick around and play as much as he has. Now, he's been helped with Viran's injuries, of course, but Lindelof hasn't done his chances of playing any harm at all, even with Viran in there. But I thought one one selection ran it made that nearly kind of backfired on him. Um, Lingard was all right, much of a muchness. It was kind of nice to see him start for the first time in two years, but playing wambasaka instead of Dalo. Now, you can see the method behind it. Dan James or Rodrigo or Rafinha, whoever leads play, Harrison, who I think eventually did start on the left, he had so many good options on the flanks, Leeds, and maybe you want a bit more defensive, solid option there, wan But he came in first start in eight or nine games, I think, and he was absolutely dreadful, even on the things that we all kind of universally think he was good at. I've just kind of re-watched Leeds' two goals. And for the first one, which of course was a fluke, but wan on his flank, he isn't even in the shot for the whole kind of 10 seconds the goal goes in. You'd, I can't see him on any wherever he is at all. And it just makes you wonder, why is he so out of possession? Maybe Rich can let us know. A bit more of the build-up to that goal, where he was, maybe he lost the ball over up. And in the second goal, he's in like a, the centre of the pitch. As a poor pass to, I think Fernandez, he loses the ball, he's on the right where James is um, advancing down on on his left, crosses for Rivinha. So it, I think Dallo has done his own chances of kind of playing in the Champions League game and for the rest of the season more good just from not playing because Wamzaka really didn't um, deliver, and it's probably the one uh, as, along with the continued um, kind of. Uh, not being switched on after the break he was the one real drawback from an otherwise pretty galvanising result all things considered
2: I'd completely agree with that I think that pass into fernandez it was a bit of a hospital pass if you look at the look at the replays there's four Leeds players around them isn't it and you think he's got to have a bit of better awareness there get his head up and maybe just play the ball long and clear the danger doesn't he Um, Rich that kind of leads us on to my next question then obviously Leeds get those goals in quick succession and you've kind of just touched upon the it there in your first answer United have thrown away leads so often this season. They've looked mentally weak. So how surprised were you? And what were you thinking when that goal went in to begin with, the second goal? And how surprised were you when they came back and and found that third goal?
0: Yeah, I mean, when the second goal went in, that was just about as loud as I've I've ever heard of the stadium, to be honest. It was barbaric in there. They were loving it and you couldn't understand why United were shell-shocked, they were rattled and, like I said, it was just playing on the minds and Leeds actually then soon had a chance to get third as well. A cross came in and Daniel James absolutely fluffed his head. You know, United fans would be well aware of that and I think Daniel James' performance in general sort of summed up his entire time at United. There was moments of brilliance, there was moments of frustration, running into blind alleys, but he's got that pace which just sort of troubles defenders but as soon as United can see it again it was just here we go again I wasn't surprised it was like that sort of CJ meme from GTA San Andreas wasn't it I mean I'm not gonna say it on the podcast but here we go again it's United it's what they do I mean they throw away leads a mind-boggling minute I don't know how they did it even when United looks so comfortable in the game they find a way of just shooting themselves in the foot and you know I think you have to then give them credit for actually recovering from it this time. I mean, so often we've seen them just not recover. And I think that the, you know, the way that we're going to talk about that game is just going to be an enthralling, really good Premier League game, one of the best I've seen this season. It was just two sides who were very open, who had their obvious flaws, but there was a lot of positives to watch. And particularly as a neutral, it was it was just great. But United did well to make sure that the narrative wasn't about them throwing away a lead again. Uh, I think most of that goes down to Ralph Ranick, though. His substitutions were spot on. I mean, he got them absolutely to a tee. Something that we didn't always see under Oligon Solskjaer. There's always questions about him leaving changes too late, bringing on maybe the wrong players. But I think it spoke volumes that Jayden Sancho stayed on. He has been probably Premier League player of the month so far. He's been United's best player by, by a mile this month. And he really just looks confident now and I think there's a real excitement. They did it well on the right wing as well. I know he switched to left at times during the game as well. But, you know, United got the result because Ranić, although there were mistakes, obviously, that led to Leeds getting back in the game, they managed to subdue them and to get back in control. And I think a key part of that was Fred, how United solve it going forward. And I think you've got to try to start playing Paul Pogba on the left and then have Fred next to Fernandez with McTominay holding because Paul Pogba, You know, it was no coincidence that when Paul Pogba was sort of lost his grip on the game, United conceded two goals and, you know, he went off, Fred came on and gave them that balance again. But, you know, just look better with Pogba and Fred on the pitch and they've got to find a way to do that. But I think that a lot of credit has to go to Ranić because it's so easy to blame the manager in situations like this. And he deserves a lot of credit for United actually managing to, to salvage that and get a memorable win. Completely agree with that and I've wrote that in my lunch piece this this
2: afternoon actually how Ranić deserves great praise for for substitutions because like you say Rich we're quick to to criticise when you get it right you you do need to point out and Mm. heap the praise. Dan I wanted to ask you about Pogba obviously he came off um, for that substitution he was brilliant in the first half Um, you know energetic creative probably performing that close to his best. Second half he kind of faded again, he was brought off. Did that substitution surprise you? But also I wanted to ask you about Pogba more long term. If he mm. can consistently perform like this, his contract ends at the end of the season. Would you like him to stay at the club?
1: Um well, we'll, take, we'll go to the actual match first before the long term. I think with Pogba it was real surprising when he went off. I, you know, I was on kind of amongst Twitter and seeing the fans reaction and everyone's reaction. Everyone was um, absolutely uh, stunned that uh, um, Pogba was the one to make way for Fred. You know, United needed the goal, theoretically, taking off the attacking option for a more defensive option. In Fred, usually doesn't work, but it only took three minutes for Fred to kind of um, shut all those doubters up. Um, I'm sure uh, one of our colleagues was in the midst of writing a reaction to people fuming about um, Fred's introduction for Pogba, and um, that soon changed. Um, and, you know, Rangnick deserves a lot of credit because he saw, which I don't think anyone else did, and saw that he needed perhaps a bit more control, a bit more, more presence in the middle of the park to kind of wrestle the game back into United's favour and quieten that crowd again, which obviously they had done so well to do in the first half. Um, And then it absolutely exploded within seven minutes or whatever it was in the, the second. Um and I say, Pogba, as you say, he was really well in the first half. I think the chance he made for Ronaldo, which he should have absolutely buried, you know, more questions on Ronaldo's finishing, as we talked about last um, last week, uh, maybe it was a bit harsh, it was a bit dragged behind him. But the way he kind of gathered the ball on the left, went round foreshore with absolute ease and put the ball on a plate, it was excellent. And he was pulling the strings for United in that first um, first 45 minutes. And everything United were doing that was positive was going for either him or Sancho, and usually them both working in tandem. So it is, I say, it's interesting that United then suddenly got it back when Pogba kind of went off. He said, if he can play like that, I think as what Rich said, maybe him playing on the left is maybe the way to go because United clearly need that bit more of a solid foundation in midfield with Fred and... You know, we're going round in circles with this debate, as we always do with Fred and McTominay. We know they need Rice or someone along those lines in the summer to um, kind of bring that midfield forward. A bit. It's been the same as... It's been the exact same for the last four or five years now. Pogba... I think I agree with Rich. He needs to play in a bit more of an advanced position, but you can't do that without moving Sancho. Do you move that when he's playing so well at the minute? It kind of restricts Sancho to just one side because you don't really see Pogba going from left to right constantly throughout the game. You'd only see him on the left. It's it's a weird one. I think I, it wouldn't surprise me when we, you know, we go to Athletico Madrid on Wednesday. I don't see Pogba staying in the starting eleven for that sort of match, even if Atletico themselves aren't the ferocious of opposition as they would have been even just last year. They've certainly lost their way in recent days. But I I presume Rang would want to be a lot more solid for that. And in the long term, I think I think every United fan would want Pogba to stay theoretically. He's On his day the most talented player but as we've been saying for the last six years of his stint here his day hasn't been nearly often enough and i don't think there'll be many broken hearts when he does eventually go because at this stage it it seems inevitable that he's going to leave for free and i don't think there's i'd imagine we'd hear more noise about anything different at this stage if there was going to be the case i'm just theorizing there but to me it just seems all but sealed he'll do his best um for the few months he's got left and where will try and leave on a happy note. I don't think he'd want any bad blood or anything like that. But I think, for all concerned, it might just be the best to have a, you know United are certainly going to have to swallow quite a hefty transfer fee. And I don't think many people could say 90000000 million, they've had the money's worth there. You know, Especially in terms of uh, silverware, where he's won. But he'll go in the summer, I'd imagine. And it's probably best for everyone to have a change, because United then can reinvest that wages they'll save, etc. Change that midfield up and don't have to force a player into the team who is obviously so good, but is he as effective as Fernandez in that attacking midfield role? Is he as a, a, you know a fast and gets to the byline enough for what any manager would want for a winger? He's never been disciplined or defensive enough to be in a holding role. So despite all his talents, he's never been able to fit in that side it's been the same old debate for the last six years what how to fit Pogba how to get the best out of him etc cetera, etc cetera. I think the best for everyone is that he does move on he'll get a nice move to Real Madrid probably maybe PSG maybe even back to Juventus who knows but I think I'd be I'd be absolutely stunned if he did stay beyond next summer
2: Pogba's quite the enigma and you've just summed it up quite well there Dan so Well done. It's it's not easy to do. Sticking with individual performances, Rich, you kind of just touched upon it, Sancho. Fantastic at Dortmund, quick feet, little interplay in passes, goals, assists. We're starting to see that player now, aren't we, in recent weeks? And Ranjik really seems to be getting the best out of him. So how impressed were you with with Sancho again? Because like I say, he got two assists and like I say, he's getting back to his best, isn't he?
0: Yeah, and he should have had three assists as well because he set up a langer for that oh, one-on-one yeah. that he, that you know that he's spurred as well. So I think Sancho has been involved in four goals directly in the last five games. And even when he wasn't directly involved in them, he was still orchestrating the attacks. He's looking really good in the final third. You know, his dribbling has been great. He just craves the ball. He loves having it. He nurtures it. He always wants to as well take that risk if it benefits the greater good of the team. And it's just mad, isn't it, that he was Oligo Solskjaer's top transfer target, but Solskjaer had no idea how to actually use him or what he's going to do with him when he arrived. And Ralph Ryanick, who who wanted to sign him for, for Leipzig, adores him as well. So he's got another long-term admirer there who who is catering for him and almost building the team around him now because Sancho probably is the first name on the team sheet on, re, on recent form. Like Dan said there, the issue is the Pogba because... You either play Sancho on the left, which I think he is at his best, or you play him on the right where you can't really swap him around too much, which I know Randick does like to do. So you need to have someone else on the the left who can then go to the right during the match on the fly. But yeah, he looks great and he looks so full of confidence. I think part of the problem with Jaden Sancho is that he just, he wasn't sort of seen as a, an arrival from a foreign league because he's English and lots of fans just expect him to adapt straight away, but he'd never played professional football in England. You know, he went to Germany. That's where he had his breakthrough. And if you were signing someone else from the Bundesliga, you think of Werner, you think of Havertz at at Chelsea, they both needed time to settle. and Pulisic as well. Exactly. And these players maybe have been given different degrees of that. I know Havertz sort of redeemed himself with the Champions League goal and the Club World Cup goal as well. But, Sancho deserves to, to be compared maybe with them rather than with other players who have arrived um, from other English teams. And, you know, £73 million is still an enor- enormous price tag as well, but he's almost not had that held against him because a year earlier it was £108 million. So that £35 million decrease has made it look like a, a better bit of business than it is. And, you know, it's still an enormous amount of pressure. And I think another thing as well is just Sancho is dealing with the pressure so well at the moment. I mean, the Leeds fans... As you'd expect, we're seeing Sancho and Rashford let their country down because they missed penalties at the European Championship final last year. But Sancho's not letting United down. He's doing his talking on the pitch. The, the the setup for the second goal is is brilliant. And for the third one as well, he just waits and waits and waits. And he's playing like he's on the school ground. You know, he's toying with these defenders. And when he's confident, he does look like he can be one of the, the best players in the Premier League, really, because he just plays at his own pace. He's got such good close control. He takes the the game to the opponents. He's terrorising defenders and, yeah, he's been a real revelation and he's best, been the best player since Ranić took over. And, you know, United's attack going forward, we said when they signed, you know, that's a player who could be a United winger for the next 10 years. He's still only 21. He's 22 next month. But He's got so much time ahead of him and the fact he's playing so well now just bodes so well for the future and, yeah, we said last summer, didn't we, that United signed a new number 7 Cristiano Ronaldo, but Jaden Sancho just looks like he's ready to inherit that number 7 shirt in, in maybe a year's time, or maybe even the summer if Ronaldo were to leave. But again, that comes full circle. If United are to finish in the Champions League spots this season, you know that Jaden Sancho's form will be a big part of deciding that, because he has just added an extra element to United's attack, and he's alleviated some of the pressure that's on Bruno Fernandes as well, because... last couple of seasons it's been like if Fernandes didn't perform well United have nothing else in the attacking third really but Sancho is just that wild card always looks like he can do something as well and I guess the real test now is just for him to to maintain that.
2: I think it's his calmness on the ball that really impresses me as you've just touched upon but that comes with confidence doesn't it and as he's grown in confidence in recent weeks when he's in that final third he's taking an extra moment or picking out the right pass or making the right decision Dan, if Sancho is a certain starter on that left, which he is at that mm. moment, which there's a degree of irony, isn't it? Because we've spent the whole summer saying United need a right winger, you know, they need to fix that position. Sancho comes in and now he's playing on the left. Where mm. does that leave Rashford and Alanga? Do you think? And how do you see that kind of battle developing well, in the coming weeks and months?
1: Well, that's definitely interesting. Um, I'd like to kind of echo what Rich said. I think Sancho's been excellent um, since the return to the winter break. Um, as as he touched on, the adaption from Players have struggled from going to the Bundesliga to the Premier League, especially kind of attackers, as we've seen on Chelsea's Legion. They've spent like 200 million on. Forwards from the Bundesliga. I don't think any of it, apart from Havertz, obviously got his Champions League winning goals, Rich said, but none of them have consistently delivered as what, you know, delivered the form they were signed on the back of. And it's a, it's a tough um, adaptation to do because the, the Bundesliga is such, um, every team pretty much plays the same way, high press, loads of space in behind. And when you're playing for the, some, one of the better teams in that league, Dortmund or your Leipzig or your Leverkusens, you get a lot of space in behind to uh, exploit. And I think we said um, on last week's podcast, if Sancho can't um, kind of really announces arrival against Leeds a uh, team that is probably the most plays the way he's most used to and most suited to, then there might be a bit of a problem. But he absolutely, you know, he didn't manage to get on the score sheet when he perhaps he should have but he absolutely delivered that test. A man of the match performance, um, two assists, I should say, should have been three, played really well, was involved in all of the good United stuff in the first half as well as the second. And I, his delays, especially that um, Alango one late on, um, the way he kind of pauses and waits and waits before making the pass. It's exactly like he scored that Chelsea goal a few months ago when he waited, held, wait for the keeper to make his move before slotting. And that kind of composure, that's the sort of stuff that you can't really teach. And he, he has that. It's just getting used, to, which he's starting to do now, getting used to the more, physical, the more physical nature of the Premier League, the less space you have, and then trying to get behind defences that are a lot more deep and that will leave you a lot less space. And that will come. It just takes time. And I am no doubt that Sancho will get even better than what he is now. And I say, his left wing spot is is funny because I say we thought he was bought to be the right winger with Rashford on the left. That hasn't really come to fruition as he's kind of done so well on the left with swapping. Rashford is a weird one, didn't get to come on. Um, Alanga was selected before him to come on off the bench, which I think says a lot of where Rashford is at the moment. He's not in a, it's just a shame. I haven't ever said before, I think the winter break came at the worst possible time for him. Two goals. In succession um the last being the last minute winner against west ham that could have been a real kind of foundation for him to build on a real good boost and the winter break came and just really halted that momentum as it did for united um, as a whole really and he's just not been able to find it you know those two games he scored and he both came he came off the bench on both and maybe he's better at the minute as kind of that impacts player to come off on the bench because when he started games he just hasn't looked as good as he has when he's coming on to maybe attack tighter legs and exploit a few more spaces I think Lingard came on as we said. Lingard started his first match for two years. I thought he was tidy but not really effective. Didn't really, didn't really take that chance he'd be given with both hands as you'd like to think. He, you know, he doesn't necessarily have to score, but he'd like to think he'd show himself a bit more, especially against that sort of defence. And he just didn't really quite deliver tidy on the ball. Don't get me wrong, but not exactly um thrilling or anything. And then Alanga, you know, he's the one who was given a chance. has taken it, as Samuel said uh, repeatedly in recent podcasts. He's never played. Well, for a full 90 minutes yet, but he's still only 19, and he's the one player who is delivering at least on occasion when Rangnick wants him to. And Rashford hasn't. Um, Lingard hasn't. Maybe we need to get to the end of the season and have those players. Uh, Lingard's obviously going to leave, but Rashford looks like a player who just needs, really needs a summer off. Now, obviously, the next year season's going to be even more truncated with the World Cup and stuff. But I think if we get to the end of the season intact, and Lingard, uh, Rashford is a player who really needs. Some time to rest, I think, recuperate. He's had a shoulder surgery this season, missed the start of the year, hardly had a summer off because of the Euros. Um, maybe tight, you know. I still believe there's there's a really good player in Rashford there. We've seen how good he can be. Still only 23 himself. I think there's no danger of him not delivering on all that promise, but he definitely needs to. Maybe have a kind of retreat, have, have a look at himself, reassess where he is, what he's doing, and come back stronger. Because there's no, there's no doubt in my mind that he's uh, got all the qualities to really go on and develop. But he needs to kind of maybe settle on an outright position where he's going to play and get better at you know the bits of his game where he has kind of fallen short recently. Because we all, you know, we all love him. We all um, know he's a good player. He's just hitting that kind of. Slumping confidence at the minute more than anything. I think he just doesn't look himself on the pitch. I don't think currently.
2: So if we get Rashford into that Villa in uh, in Love Island in the summer, that might get his confidence up. Down, I think, you know? oh, that I think that could be a that could be a left field idea. Rich, last question on the Leeds performance then. I wanted to ask you about Ronaldo and we'll probably think, right, we we'll, have we'll talked about Ronaldo in recent weeks. We know he's Ronaldo, he scores goals for fun. What more can be said? But I think it is fair to say in recent weeks, he is starting to look like a player that is in the twilight years of his career. He perhaps hasn't been as effective in the last few weeks. I put him in the fantasy football team ahead of the weekend. Obviously no goal. Um, Into the summer... Are we expecting United to move for a centre-forward, as Ranyuk said? And where does that leave Ronaldo? Does he accept a reduced position? How do you think that's going to play out?
0: Yeah, I mean, like you said, it's just Ronaldo's looking rusty in recent weeks. He, he looks like a 37-year-old striker. He was... He should have buried that chance early on that Dan mentioned when Pogba crossed it in. And I know Meslier makes a decent save and it was a bit behind Ronaldo, but this is the greatest goal scorer in the history of the men's game. He should be scoring that in the standards he sets. Second half, just like against Southampton, there was a a break on the counter-attack where he was just completely offside. He's a few yards ahead of the game where if he would have stayed in his own half, he would have had a free run at goal and, you know, you would have backed him to score that. But he just looks off the pace and, you know, it's, Is it confidence? I don't know. It it just looks like it's maybe catching up with him a bit and maybe the demands of the Premier League are are taking him by by shock a bit. Has he played well against a big team this season? No. Even in the Champions League, he's had some big moments, but they're not elite teams. I know that you can give them some respect, etc., but they're not elite teams. Atletico this week, not an elite team anymore, but... That's the type of game where Ronaldo stands up to be counted, doesn't he? I mean, a return to Madrid against the the old enemy, the team he seems to always score against, the team where he's won so many Champions League medals against as well. So, you know, that adds an extra element and, and spice to it. But in terms of his own future... I think everyone expects him to leave if United don't get the Champions League this season. I mean, has he ever had a season where he's not been playing in in the Champions League? You know, really since he broke through at United, he's he's never from what I can remember played in the Europa League or the, definitely not the Conference League. You know, this is a player who still thinks he is a player who can contend for the Ballon d'Or. He he did not come back to United to to be playing in these lesser European competitions. And he said himself, I've got unfinished unfi- business here. He did not mean Thursday night football. It's just not what he stands for, really. And there would be more argument for him to go over to MLS. That's a new challenge rather than playing in the Europa League. And I think that if United don't get Champions League football, then he has every right to leave himself. And it would probably be the, the best decision for him and for the club. In terms of what happens maybe if United do get top four, though, we know United are looking at younger strikers. Erling Haaland's always the one you talk about, but would he come to Manchester United? You've got to question his own ambitions if he does, because he's got so many better offers on the table. You've got to wonder what's going to, you know, what type of demands he he'd have for for a move to Old Trafford to materialise. But I think what would work the best, really, is if United did get top four, you can get one more season out of Ronaldo, play him. Obviously Cavani will be leaving as well, so you're gonna have more room for rotation up front. United have already explored the the option of a two pronged attack, but it's not quite worked with Ronaldo and Cavani long term because of their fitness issues. If you had someone else who came in, I'm not I'm not saying it is someone like this, but you look at like Alexander Isaac, someone like that who who's a bit younger, a bit more of a long term raw prospect, but but is doing a good job already in a, in a good league and has proven himself on an international stage. You give him one season, sometimes playing along Ronaldo, but most of the time just learning off Ronaldo day to day. You know, learning those those habits, learning how to train like an elite athlete, and really have that determination in his game. And then you've got a succession plan there. So when Ronaldo leaves, you're not just relying on a new signing. You're relying on someone who's already been there for a season to to see United through for for the next five six years or whatever so I think that is you know the idealistic sort of target now for United but of course a lot of it just depends on on getting top four football now and you know the win against Leeds does does fill you a bit more confidence the way that United played and the way that they reacted in the match as well and let's hope it's just a springboard ahead of a real pivotal few weeks now I mean next month for United play City, Tottenham and Liverpool if they can get something from each of those games, if you can get something from two of those games, that could be huge, you know, particularly that Tottenham game at home. If you can beat them, then you really put yourself in a good position for, for the rest of the season. So, yeah, there's a lot to play for. There's a lot of mitigation. And, you know, the fact there's not a new permanent manager sort of lined up, I know that the plans are ongoing to get that, but there's just so much uncertainty still about United's future that it, it is a bit early yet to, to say for sure how players' futures are all going to sort of be decided and who might come in at the end of the season as well.
2: Looking into Wednesday then, Dan, moving away from the weekend, um, obviously, Atletico Madrid away in Spain in the Champions League. Team selection-wise, you've kind of just touched upon it earlier in the podcast, Bamba Saka, is it fair to say we expect him to drop back to the bench? Also, um, Varane, obviously, that was a big call. Lindelof performed really well. Is it as simple as Varane comes back in because it's the Champions League? What do you reckon?
1: Mm. Well, I, I'd say right back, I think Dallo definitely comes back in. Maybe Rannick was given uh a lead as a kind of tester to play against Atletico, obviously, uh, despite Atletico's struggles recently. I mean, they lost to uh, bottom of the league, uh, Levante, uh, in the week in last midweek. I mean, you know, they're really not the team they once were, even if they won the league last year. They've, they're currently fifth in the table. Level on points for Barcelona, we all know their troubles. Um, you know, and Barcelona have a game in hand as well. But the Atletico still have threats. They have Joao Felix and go out left. Luis Suarez, of course, the so United know all too well. Um, Yannick Carrasco still has a bit of quality about him. Um, there's Thomas Lamar. There's a few you know, uh, Griezmann, of course, who you can forget he went back there as well, and Angel Correa. So there is plenty of threats in that Atletico team, even though we know how they're gonna play at more you know solid banks of four. So I'd I'd expect Yannick to still be cautious. I say I think he went with Wan to see. If he was good enough to play against Atletico, but when he was ripped apart fairly regularly by Daniel James, who you know, much respect to a talented player, but you know, he's he left United sold him for a reason that's because he wasn't good enough to be at United and he you know regularly went past uh, Wamsaka as if he wasn't there, and in some cases he wasn't there. So I really don't think we'll be seeing Wamsaka play any more games out of any great importance unless also comes to an injury. So i expect Dal to come in. Centre back one is a really interesting one. It wouldn't surprise me if Lindelof actually keeps his place. It, de- it all depends on Felix. You know, you Lindelof's probably a bit more mobile than Varan, and certainly more, more so than Maguire. So maybe you want that centre back with a bit more nimble bit about him, a bit more pace to kind of deal with Felix, who's going to probably be running about and dropping deep and make trying to make space for Suarez, who can certainly still move as well. Greensman in there. You know, you, maybe you want your Champions League caliber centre back in the big Champions League games. It, I really don't envy Ragnick Femme to make that decision. Um, I think either or no one could have too many complaints. And then again, the only other change I think we'll see maybe is Fred in for Pogba. I'd imagine the attack and then maybe a line. Oh, that, that, I think the big one. <laughs> the big, I think Fred comes in. I think Fred comes in for Pogba. Yeah. He's gonna go, McTominay, McTominay and uh, Fred. Um, even though McTominay, I already didn't get sent off against Leeds. Just to touch on that, I do not know because, bloody hell, when he already got a booking and then went in again, I was like,
0: Jesus. He's he had like, two. He was on a yellow card. He had two instances where he should have been booked. It and was- how
1: Ryan didn't actually take him off, it blew my mind as well. I was like, wow, he absolutely a walking red card. So, um, hopefully, he just really got... um his blood was rising because it was a good war and um, hopefully he'll calm down a bit and won't be going around like a bull in a china shop against Atletico. But you'd imagine Fred and Tom made to have a bit, offer a bit more solidity. And I think the only other open spot is that right flank. Did Lingard do enough to keep his place? I'm not sure. I think Langer, he come on and score. Is he ready for such a big stage, a European away? Very tough physical side. I, I'm not sure. I'm I, Rashford, as we've just touched on, isn't in the best form at the minute either. I could see... Oh, I'm really intrigued. I really don't know where he's going to call it. I could see it staying Lingard. I could, it wouldn't even surprise me if he get a bit of a formation change, perhaps. But it's a that oh, You don't need to go that deep against them. But they have danger, mm-hmm. honestly. Rich, what do you reckon? I am, honestly, Tom. I could see a back three, maybe, and have Varane Lindelof and Fingy in there. Because just to get that solidity in there, European away, I know away goals don't matter anymore, which is, you know, don't really agree with that. Um, less jeopardy, <laughs> less fun. But I'm really intrigued. I don't know how it's going to do. Do you go defensive, even though they're a good team with good players, or do you go your own game knowing that they're not in the best shape at the minute and trying to pose yourself? It's, a, it's an interesting one.
0: Yeah, it is a difficult one. Like you said, the centre back one's really odd. I did my post match piece from Leeds on Lindelof and how good I thought he was at breaking the lines, taking the, the play forward, which the other centre backs just don't do. But then, like you said, it's Varane. This is someone who's won the World Cup. He's won, I think, three Champions League titles, hasn't he? Was it four and three La Ligas? You know, he's he's got so much experience himself. And again, he's back in Madrid himself. Dallow at right back seems seems a certainty. I think Fred has to come in because if you're out of possession, he can drop deep next to McTominay for that sort of McFred axis that, you know, is often derided, but is reliable if not restricted. I think Pogba on the left, you know, and then Sancho on the right. I know there's not as much flexibility, but I just think that it's Paul Pogba. He's looked he looked good in the last month or so cutting you know, on from the left hand side. Ranick doesn't really like that, but that's what I'd go for, and then Ronaldo through the middle. I thought Lingard was poor at Leeds. I thought he was really bad, and I didn't really get why. I get what got. I do, in some ways, start to a degree. But if you know he's leaving in the in the summer, I don't really understand why he started ahead of Alanga or Rashford. But you know that's Rannick's decision at the end of the day. Yeah, there's just so many interesting calls going into this one, and I guess that's what makes it fascinating. Like you said, uh, could we see a formation change? I know Rannick's not really liked the free back since he's come in, we saw that four two two. Maybe that's another option as well. I think. I think a bit of it maybe relies on Cavani as well, because Ranick really does like Cavani. And I know that against Burnley, he wanted to start him because he suited that, that style of game, he said. And I think Atletico is going to be a similar game where you're going to be out of possession for quite a bit of it. And you're going to have some long balls at the top that he's going to have to chase. And you're going to have moments where he's got to press from the front foot. So who knows? There's just so much mitigation. I think a lot of it will rely on the early team mm-hmm. news. But like you said, Dan, I just... You know, there's a lot to call, and it's another huge test of just how good Rennick is as, as a manager, really. Because, mm. as you wrote in your piece today, Stephen, you know, he, he did prove a lot of people wrong. He sort of answered that criticism of him against Leeds, but now he needs to prove it just wasn't a fluke. Yeah, definitely. And then I was going to ask you, as lads, I'll ask you this is the last
2: question and be brutally honest. How far can you see United getting in the Champions League and keep it short and sweet because we all run out of time?
1: Who goes first?
2: Go ahead, well, Dan You can go first. I'll go. Yeah,
1: you know I'll what? Choose. I actually fancy him to beat Athletico. The, yeah. They're not the same they once were. They lost Trippier, who we've seen in his short time at Newcastle, was really good. I, I think um, for, I can't say his name, but the Croatian guy, who was good in the World Salco. Cup against England. Yeah. That's the one. I don't think he's quite as good as Trippier. They're just like an ageing war horse now, Atletico. You know, they've lost some of their old um, style walls. They brought Griezmann back, and he's not really cut it, as he did in Barcelona. What, Yeah,
0: Like you guys got to say, though, I think that Atletico have turned into United a bit. They've, they used yeah. to be really proactive in the transfer market. And now they've just gone for nostalgia and being reactive. Really yeah. yeah. And I just the, I think they've got too too much short-term, if, if, short-term if sort of if you
1: think of at Athletico for years. They had the best striker in the world that maybe wasn't the best striker when they had them, but he went on to beat. So you had Farland, who obviously was really good but then failed. Aguero, they went on. Um, who did they replace? Torres, obviously. Torres Aguero. They had like one of the, the up and coming best strikers for years. Yeah. Diego Costa Falcao for literally for years nearly a decade they had like the up-and-coming best striker david via
0: guy clark so, producer yeah and goalkeepers all down because they had courtois yeah or De Gea,
1: yeah De Gea, and and exactly so they used to be so on the I said, on the cutting edge coke and um i know he's not a gun that has done as well at chelsea but Salma guys they were bringing the best players coming through in spain and around south america and elsewhere in europe and they just you look at that team now and you just, they just don't have that kind of youthful exuberance anymore. They got Carrasco back, not done anything after he'd been in China. They've um, brought in, you know, they brought Griezmann back, who hasn't done it. Um, Jimenez, I'm looking at their team now, and Jimenez is probably the last good young player they brought through who's really good. And that's it. Like they've got Colin Like they're not getting. Atletico isn't the team you're going to now and finding like, your unknowns who are going to be the next big stars anymore. Maybe that's kind of a virtue of becoming. In the elite bracket and having to compete with bigger players, and they kind of lost the way a little bit. So yeah, I do think you're right there. I do fancy United to beat them because I think Simeone should have been left on top in the summer after winning the league. Now it just feels a feel like diminished returns, and it's sad for such a brilliant, uh, what a brilliant legacy he's going to leave there eventually. It'd be a shame for it to end on such a so or not. But I do I quite fancy United to, um, if not if not away, I do quite fancy to, to get a result at home.
2: Rich, yeah. on judging by our, our athletic slander. Obviously, you might get a few hooligans, athletic or hooligans coming after you two on Twitter. <laughs> this, but I'm presuming you agree with Dan.
0: Uh, yeah, I mean, yes, for a short answer there. I'm not sure it was a short answer, <laughs> was it? But um, yeah, I expect United to beat Atletico. I've got, I mean, I'm not going to talk about superstitions, or whatever, but I do expect United to... I've, I've got a feeling United won't get a, maybe City in the, in the quarterfinals or something. Hmm. I can just, I've just got a feeling this year. I'm not sure why, but I wouldn't be surprised. when I mean, we saw... What uh, Chelsea did under interim, interim manager Di Matteo, didn't they? They won it all. United are, are more suited to cup competitions at the moment. I'm not going to come out here and say they're going to win it, but I, I think they could even be dark courses for the semifinals. You know, I mean, it depends on the draw, how it all opens up, et cetera. But I expect United to beat Atletico. And I do think that, you know, if they can't beat an Atletico team who aren't that aren't really that good at the moment, then it is a real sign of just mm. how bad they are, because this is a United team who are meant to be challenging for the for the Premier League this season, and we're meant to be going far in the Champions League as well. So I'm back in United in the quarter uh, to get to the quarters, and then like I said, it depends on the draw from there on in.
1: I could so see them finishing fifth, but winning Champions League and still getting in that way. I could just so <laughs> see it. It'd be so it would be very
2: Manchester United. Yeah, it yeah,
1: just wouldn't. You know, oh man, it's going to be exciting. And-
2: I'm usually very enthusiastic and, and optimistic and I can't see them beating Athletico, but I'd probably put a dampener on it and, and see I can't see them getting much further than that after. <laughs> so I'll, I'll end on a negative note, in my opinion. <laughs> um, thanks, lads. Thanks for your time. It's been a pleasure. Thank you, Rich. No thank you very much. And thank you, Dan. No bother, sir. Um, and thanks for listeners, as usual. Hope you enjoyed and take care. Thank you.